When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back on the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew. And of course, my co-host, Matt, is here with me. Once again, sir, we are here to review a Jets win, a surprising 20-7 to victory over the Buffalo Bills, a comeback late in the end of the game. Those fourth quarter Jets just don't ever seem to die this year under Robert Sala. The Jets are 6-3 and three heading into the bye week. Zach Wilson has another game without any interceptions thrown under his belt. The Jets get a win. All in all, this was a pretty fun day. I know we're excited to get in and break it down. I'll, let's just start a little easygoing, enjoy the moment. Like I said last week when things came to an end uh, against the Patriots, you know, we wanted to savor it and let's savor it again. The Jets took down the best team in the AFC at home and they were able to do so. They hung in the game throughout the entire time. There was never a point where the Bills looked like they were completely outclassing them. And I think this is a huge game. Just talking about the resilience and the confidence of this team to be on a win streak, play really well on the road, go and have a home game against a division rival and lose a game you probably should have won and know you probably should have won. And instead of having the same old Jets of yesteryear where you come out flat and you're upset because you lost and the much better team in the Bills just blows you off your own field, this was the complete opposite. And they all dialed in, got right back to work, were able to set their focus, and they came out ready to attack and they took down Buffalo. This was an, an excellent game in terms of a head coach from Robert Sala reestablishing the mindset of his team and getting them prepared well a week after a tough loss hats off to robert saga first and foremost for that yeah really uh from the the get-go it was just pins and needles for me with uh that botched kickoff i was like oh i just like threw my hat off and disbelief like this is how we're starting the game and then you had the bomb to digs i was like oh, this is gonna get ugly fast but then we picked it off so, so it was it was a truly a story of highs and lows uh momentum getting picked up and then momentum disappearing like with the the sky cam incident which was wacko like how this, this happened and just took us away from the game for 10 minutes or so uh it, it's ridiculous and then of course like i i as soon as that happened i knew we were something bad was going to happen whether it was an interception or something uh, to take us out of field goal range or I, I don't know but it was a fumble so something did happen uh, and then I had to go feed my baby. So uh, then I paused the game and came back. I was like, oh, we got an interception. All right, great. So was, again, the the waves of emotion were were there uh, in true Jet style. It's it, it's I wouldn't have it any other way with, with this team. It's just up, down, every which way. Uh, but yeah, in the end, we're, we, we won. We beat arguably the best team in the NFL. Uh, and we did it with maybe the stadium half filled with their fans. Uh, which maybe helped us. Maybe it made it more like an away game where we're undefeated. Uh, so uh, it it's impressive all around. Uh, I was pacing in my living room. My wife's like, "Oh, what's what's going on? Are you okay?" I'm like, yeah, they were about to beat the best team in the league. And then she's like, "Oh, okay, that, that's nice." <laughs> like, and it and it just worked out, and it's it was a thrill. Yeah, it really was. That that game had a playoff atmosphere. Uh, that game had the the pins and needles of two teams that know that their next matchup might very well decide playoff seating in the future, and they may have a third matchup ahead of them at some point in the year. I don't think anybody, Robert Sala said it himself today in his press conference, even the most optimistic of Jets fans wouldn't have had this team pegged at six and three before the bye, and here they are. And despite everything else, 
that has happened with this team, all the injuries, all of the potential controversy that's been going on, everything in between to to weather the storm, to lose some of your best players and still not go down and still find ways to win and still look like the same caliber of football team you were before time and time again, that that starts and ends at the top with Robert Sala. And I think it is an an absolute all the credit in the world to him for establishing this culture and eliminating the the dark clouds that have hung over this organization for so long where it seems like they can't get out of their own way. Well, they're finally out of their own way and they're getting in other people's way for a change. And it feels damn good. It really does. Uh, So often with this team, uh, usually you see the the score right before the half and then another scorer after the half uh, for the opposing team. And it kind of feels like that with the, the way the buy is. We thought, all right, we, we lost to New England. Now we lose again. And then we have the buy. And it, it just felt like that could have happened. And I'm really happy that the team was able to really come together uh, and make a game plan and execute that game plan. Uh, the way they did. And I think, yeah, like you said, this is a testament to the coaches and the players and the work that they put in throughout the week to get to what we saw uh, yesterday. Uh, I think that's also probably a good place to start with that game plan and Zach, Zach's redemption game. Yeah, absolutely. The offense as a whole, this was a a major, major rebound after a tough outing overall from the offense the week before against New England to come right back against arguably a better defense in the Buffalo Bills, regardless of whether they were missing players or not, and take them to the wood behind the woodshed on a handful of opportunities, especially up front. First and foremost, this offensive line had themselves a day. And I agree, Matt, we've talked about this a lot off air. Zach Wilson had a much better game and we will get to him and all the credit that he deserves for improving on himself, not harping on last week. We were saying last week and I said myself, if he comes out and it's the same level of stupidity and carelessness and and just falling apart play that I don't think he starts coming out of the bye. Well, that didn't happen whatsoever. There wasn't at any point in this game where I thought that he was careless or that he wasn't playing well or that he wasn't trying to do what he could. And even if the numbers didn't reflect it, he was playing efficient football and they the Jets were in the game and they were being able to stay in the game a lot of a large part because of Zach Wilson. But that said, the offensive line had a dominant day. You only allow four pressures on the day. You only allow two sacks. One of the two sacks comes at the very end of the game before the Jets kick the game-winning field goal, and it's Zach Wilson giving up on a play to make sure nothing gets made any worse than it is and they can still kick the chip shot. Your other sack is Von Miller, who's going to go in the Hall of Fame, beating Cedric Abwehi at right tackle for a sack fumble when Abwehi was signed off the street a couple of weeks ago. I'm not going to hold Cedric Abwehi's hands or feet to the fire and say, oh, shame on you. Horrible. You're trash for getting beat by Von Miller one on one (laughs) one time for a sack fumble. This was not a game where the offensive line was losing every other which way. There was clean pockets to be had pretty much the entirety of the day. And that really freed Zach Wilson, freed up his mind and let him focus on what he was seeing downfield and reading what was happening in front of him. And he really capitalized on top of that. The run game from this offensive line was arguably the reason they won the game. They averaged 5.1 yards per carry overall throughout the day. I believe they had, um, if I'm going back, they had like 180 something yards rushing total. Um, as a team, their final drive that ends in a game winning field goal had 10 total runs out of 13 plays for 77 yards gained a drive that started at their own five yard line. And the Jets ran the ball eight straight times to start the drive. Drive all the way down the field. That's an ass kicking. That's a demoralizing final drive from the New York Jets in their own home stadium drive a six and a half minute drive wow at the end of the fourth quarter starting backed up at your own five yard line and you run the ball eight straight times to get down the field you run 10 total times for 77 yards a couple of which came in the red zone that were stuffed for little to no gain you get the majority of your yardage on that drive on the eight runs to start it off and that's that is a hammering that is demoralizing like i said And it really, the offense as a whole, the execution was fantastic. Michael Carter 
fantastic. Again, his ability to evade tackles and get the corner and add a couple of big runs. James Robinson had a touchdown. I didn't think he looked healthy personally, and I thought that they really should have been giving Carter the ball more, but the offensive line was doing so well, Robinson was making it work anyway. And this was a fantastic, fantastic performance from this group up front. I I could talk about it all night because I really think they are the reason this game was a win. Yeah, uh, they. I think it definitely they definitely played a large, large role. Um, and I think a lot of what led to that six and a half minute drive at the end uh, just came down to trust. And because we've seen how Lafleur has maybe gone away from the run when things aren't looking great for the run game when they aren't really getting much when they're just doing one one or two yard dives or uh here and there and they're really kind of draining drives uh but that wasn't the case yesterday we were getting pretty good chunks here and there throughout the entire game uh especially to the outside with Robinson and Carter uh these guys were eating so when we needed them most they looked at this Bills and their entire defense and were like, okay, let's just run it down their throats. And it worked. And it worked. And it worked. And it kept working. And a lot of the success that this offensive line has, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, what is this, their second or third game playing with each other? I, I'm, I'm not exactly uh, officially sure. Officially with, with, this, group, with this, think, this group, I think it is... Their second game as starters. I'm pretty sure a boy he came in in relief for AVT in Denver, That's but right. he didn't start the game. This has been their second collective game as starters. Herbig has been playing since AVT was moved to tackle in Pittsburgh, though. That's right. So I think all it really took was just a little bit of time for this group to really get used to playing with each other. Uh, and that fluidity and, and the ability to rely on the guy next to you especially in pass pro and, and run protect and run uh, run blocking. These guys just working together side by side, uh, knowing what the other guy's doing, knowing their weaknesses, knowing where they can help out uh, is speaks a, uh, a lot to, to what these guys do throughout the week to, to really get used to, to each other and get that continuity. Uh, and it goes a long way. We saw it last year when, we just were using guys off the street and yeah. all they needed was time and they solidified into maybe a top 10 pass protected pass protecting group last year. Uh, it, it, it's a, I'm not surprised that this, this ragtag group has come together. Uh, I'm a little worried about after the break, after the buy, when we uh, maybe see another, group of, of guys, whether it's Mitchell uh, or Fant at right tackle, uh, whether there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve there. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll just have to see. But yeah, th- these guys played great. Yeah, they really did. They, they absolutely did. And credit to John Benton, offensive line coach. Just look at the situation he's had to deal with this season of different guys mixing in in different spots. The amount of players that he's probably had to coach total might be more than any other year in his career. And I really, really just hats off to his ability to continue to keep this line functioning. And it's a credit to the players themselves for getting their communication on board. Like you said, that's definitely a huge part of it as well. It's not all on the coaching, but John Benton deserves some credit as well. And he deserves some recognition for taking a a mismatch of players at any different point in the week where it hasn't been any longer than when maybe three weeks total, the Jets have had the same same five starters on the offensive line this year. If that, this might have been like last week was two weeks in a row. It doesn't seem like it's ever been much more than that. That is not easy. It's not easy on the players. It's not easy on the coaches either. And it was a huge, huge, huge performance, especially after a rough week the week before to rebound and to come out and play the way they did against the Buffalo Bills. Hats off. That's all I can say. That is you know, Zach Wilson's buying all those guys steak dinners at the end of the season for that game. And and on top of that, like I leading perfectly into Zach Wilson played a lot better and he deserves mm-hmm. credit as well. And it's not just a the offensive line was good. So Zach was good. I think that the offensive line helped Zach be good. But a lot of it was Zach was choosing to stay in the pocket. 
He wasn't looking to run. He was being more comfortable. He wasn't retreating backwards. He was stepping up when he had to. He was making quick decisions. His mechanics were in tight. And I feel like he had one throw early in the game where it was a little sidearm. I don't remember if it was a screen to Berrios, but it was something like that. But he has a little sidearm toss early in the game and it was accurate and he hit it. And I felt like after that throw, it was like, okay, I'm comfortable and I'm in tune. I'm in rhythm. And he tried to do that sidearm a couple other times as the game went on and he wasn't missing. He was confident. He was comfortable. And this is what happens when Zach Wilson isn't worried about free rushers coming at his face every time he touches the ball and calls hike and is able to trust in his pass protection, trust in his playmakers to get open and deliver the ball where it needs to go. Huge bounce pack performance from him as well for the pressure, for all the, the boo birds in his own stadium for the, you know, the jets are five and three and it's like the sky is falling because Zach had a bad game. He responded in a big way and he shut a lot of people up. And that's really all you could have asked for from him in this situation. Absolutely. It, it's truly night and day looking at Zach against New England and then Zach against Buffalo. Uh, I was expecting Zach to play scared again in this game, especially with the, the pass rush that Buffalo has. Uh, so, yeah, what the offensive line was able to do and help him out and maybe help him gain his confidence uh is truly remarkable and yeah as soon as i saw that that sidearm pass to the barrios i think he he got hit that that play same play uh which should have been uh the roughing the passer call that that didn't go get called uh yeah i i I think after he got hit he he felt a little banged up there but he saw that he could take the hit also and i feel like that's really what's been holding him back is this fear of getting hurt. Uh, Whether it's leaving the pocket early or trying to just run backwards as long as he can to avoid hits. It's just seemed like that was the root of his his confidence being shot. Uh, But he didn't show any of that this game. Like you said, he stood tall. He he went through his progressions solidly and quickly. Uh, and he made smart decisions. And yeah, the the arm angles. Where, I don't know where he pulled these arm angles out of, but it, it was incredible just seeing him whip these balls, sidearm, uh, submarine, and and guy, and they're like bullets too. They weren't just like little mm-hmm. softballs. Uh, he he looked like uh, the rookie of the year guy with the rubber band arm. <laughs> and, yeah. <it's, laughs> and it, every pass seemed like it was hitting its target right where it needed to be. Uh, it was all very impressive and. He started using his legs more as a runner, not just to extend plays he, mm-hmm. he, uh, and make throws. He used his legs to pick up first downs. We've, I, we've been yelling at our TVs nonstop for him to do this for a while, and he's done it very sparingly. Uh, so the fact that he did it maybe two or three times this game and for big chunks in, in clutch situations too, uh, to pick up third downs and extend drives. This is what we've been waiting for him to be able to be this pocket passer with a strong arm and also an athletic freak that can extend plays and also pick up giant chunks of yards himself. Uh, If you put all those together, you got a quarterback. That's a little bit more than a game manager. You got a quarterback that can thrive in this league. Uh, And he took care of the ball. I didn't see too many horrible passes that uh, went into uh, really unfavorable coverages. Uh, He did throw one really high ball to Mims that was tipped, I think, to to Conklin as well. Uh, Or is it uh, CJ that that came away with that? uh, You're thinking of the throw to uh, Uzama. Yeah, where it was up in the air and Uzama catches it and it hits him in the hands and he catches it and then it gets knocked out because it's high and he had this guy up for it and then Uzama regains it and catches it and uh, uh, people thought it was an interception at first but they said Uzama regained uh, possession. That's right. And that's another string of impressive plays because then they they rushed to the line. uh, They only got like a one-yard gain and then they faked the the punt. Uh, It Mm -hmm. seemed like everything was just going right. Uh, but yeah, other than those two throws, uh, that could have been more on the money. Uh, I think he had a very solid game and taking care of the ball and taking care of the ball and not making huge mistakes that he, like that he made against new England, uh, is paramount to having a success in this league. 
uh, it doesn't matter if who you're playing against. If you take care of the ball and you do the little things, you take what defenses give you, you're going to have success. Yeah, yeah, you are. And he did exactly that. And I think even on top of that, I thought one of his best throws of the day, quite honestly, was incomplete. And it was, I don't remember if it was his first pass of the day or his second pass of the day, but it came on the first drive and it was the deep shot down the right sideline to Denzel Mims. Oh, yeah. And Zach dropped that in the bucket. That was a perfectly thrown deep ball. And Mims really needs to lay out and make that catch. It's that was perfectly catchable. It was out in front where we were talking last week, just last week. Mims on a go ball early in the game and Mims has a step on his guy and he's got him beat out in front. And if Zach puts it out in front, he's probably going to run for a touchdown. This was a completely uh, very, very similar situation where except this time Mims was covered better and he wasn't as wide open and Mm -hmm. he had maybe a half of a step and, and just could use his body to box out the receiver and create the separation. And it was a perfect throw from Zach. He absolutely dropped it in the breadbasket and Denzel just couldn't come down with it. And that to me is like, okay, he's he's on. He's got it. He's seeing it. Even though that was incomplete, you couldn't have you couldn't have asked for him to throw that better. And he was able to read the leverage and direct improvement week to week on very similar plays where I, I think that's really encouraging to see. And I'm hopeful that he can carry this confidence into the bye, continue to get full strength, let the rest of this team get healthy and they can be supercharged and ready to go as an offense coming out against the Chicago Bears, whose defense is not all that talented and has traded away most of the little talent that they had left. Yeah, but you know what? Now Justin Fields is is catching fire. So, so we got a shootout on our hands. Shootout, and and you got the uh, you got the extra motivation of going against a guy in the same draft class as you that you probably saw at the combine and were compared to for months and months and months, and will be compared to for the entirety of your career. So there's a lot of reason for Zach Wilson and the rest of this offense to be hyped up and be ready to go. And I think they can carry a lot of what they did this past game into the future, especially after the bye week. Looking on the other side of the ball, another excellent performance from the defense. And it's not hyperbole to say the Jets have one of the best defenses in the NFL. They do. Flat out. They they absolutely do. Their defensive line, again, five sacks on Josh Allen, was getting constant pressure. You have a two crucial, crucial, crucial sack plays from the two guys that we highlighted on this very show last week, talking about Jacob Martin getting traded and Jermaine Johnson with a sack on first down in the fourth quarter to force the bills into a punt, knock them out of any hope of a field goal range. And on the very next drive, the jets go down the field from their own five, kick the game winning field goal. And on the next drive after that, you have a, First down sack from Bryce Huff that ends up being a sack fumble where the ball rolls nine yards extra backwards and you get set up with like a second and 19 with the Bills trying to ice the game with a tying field goal backed up in their own end zone. Awesome. Quinn and Williams beats Mitch Morse, who's one of the best centers in the NFL and had gone 16 straight games without giving up a sack before this one beats Mitch Morse for a sack on Josh Allen. He's up to seven for the year. That's tied for a career high. It's week nine. This, you can even further. Sauce Gardner gets an interception. His second even get of the to the year. secondary yet. <laughs> You're like, yeah, we haven't even got. Yeah, I haven't even got to the secondary yet. I haven't even got to the secondary yet. Sauce Gardner gets an interception. Jordan Whitehead gets an interception after the Bills get a 42-yard pass play to open the game, and a terrible kick from Braden Mann sets them up at midfield. Jordan Whitehead gets an interception, take them out of out of field goal range, knock any points off the board and keep the game at zero zero sauce. Gardner gets an interception after Zach Wilson's sack fumble uh, and recovery by Vaughn Miller takes away any points after that turnover. Jordan Whitehead should have had a second interception that he dropped Mm. over the middle later in the game in the red zone that ended, I think with the bills holding to a field goal that probably could have had points taken away. And Oh, by the way, CJ Mosley's decleating people. Oh my, yes. And, and, And Oh, by the way, CJ Mosley is becoming a lot better in coverage in year two under Robert Sala than he was in year one under Robert Sala. And he's taking, he's knocking the snot out of people. This defense, every single player on this defense is, if not excelling, is at the very least playing well. And on the most of their core contributors are outright thriving. And that's incredible to see after what we saw last year. The turnaround, you want to talk about night and day. 
from Zach Wilson a week ago to Zach Wilson this week. Look at the Jets against the Buffalo Bills defense in 2020, or the Jets defense against the Buffalo Bills in 2021 versus the Jets defense against the Buffalo Bills in 2022. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely night and day. Uh, they were pretty much bullies last year throwing against the secondary. Uh, we couldn't catch a break, and Diggs just looked absolutely unstoppable. Uh, and, you know, Diggs got his targets. He, he had his catches. Uh, but he didn't run away with the game. He didn't take over the game. Our defensive backs held their own, more than held their own, especially DJ Reed uh, and Sauce. Uh, DJ Reed with that diving uh, pass breakup, uh, which would have been an, a, a walk-in touchdown if, uh, if he didn't have that catch-up speed. Yep. Uh, and then you have your Sauce to, to ice the game at the end. Uh, Bills fans will cry about being defensive pass, and pass interference. I could I could make the argument that it was offensive pass interference. Uh, I, I, can I, I just can I just go in on that really please, quick? Please do. Okay. No, in no un, under sky and God's green earth and in any universe that exists was that pass interference. That yeah, was no. perfect coverage from Sauce Gardner. There wasn't an ounce of grabbing. His hands are wide open. He's not even clenching or closing his hands. You can't say he's grabbing if he's got his fingers extended. He's got his hand on the back. He's not grabbing. He's got his arm in between and he's playing through the hands and they're fighting for the ball. He's in inside leverage with good position. He's got his head turned and he's playing for it. Gabe Davis is running down the field with him and he's going to play for it as well. He's not hitting him he's not grabbing him he's not holding his arm he's not doing anything that would be anything that you could call pass interference he's literally only doing the only thing he can which is run with him make sure that he's positioning himself right and trying to play the ball and play through the hands which he does it was perfect coverage it just people are going to cry pi because sauce blanketed him yeah i mean if face guarding was still uh, a rule then maybe you have a case, but it's not. So it, it just was not. Uh, no, no, it wasn't. Uh, and to go back to CJ uh, Mosley, and I think one of the best plays was the play that he actually gave up a reception where you see him, his eyes following the play. Uh, and then he sees the bobble to cook and he makes this, diving play and he would have come al- come away with an interception if it wasn't for a miraculous circus catch by cook after that uh but the his range and his instincts in coverage just seems to have really stepped up a notch um and yeah the the defensive line is just playing lights out again and and seeing this group really come together i remember in the beginning of the year where we weren't getting as much pressure uh, as we would hope, and we were kind of wondering, oh, is this defensive line really worth all the hype that we put into it preseason, all the money that's put into it, all the money that's expected to be put into it? And they're really playing up to their potential the last couple of games, if not the last like five games, I would say. Uh, yeah, after, it seems it's like, been basically since the Cincinnati game. After Quinnen Williams yeah. yelled at, at Aaron Whitecott and the defensive line coach, after that, they've been balling. Yeah, and they barely, I don't think we've seen a game where they really emphasize rushing more than four rushers either. Every so often they'll they'll throw in a blitzer, but it's really rare. So the fact that they have that trust in their defensive line to get the pressure that they need and also hold their own against the run uh, really shows that this defensive line is as good as it as we hope that they would be. Uh, and there was a lot of complaints about the rotation uh, of defensive line players, but then you also have to see the fruits of that with Huff coming in off uh, with the uh, limited snaps, but also coming in with fire and having game-changing plays. Same with JJ. Uh, th- all these guys are contributing. Uh, it's really a shame that Rankins might be out for a considerable amount of time. Uh, so. We're going to need to shore up the, the interior a little bit. Uh, but we still have depth there, too. Uh, so it's it's kind of, it's all roses right now. Yeah, no, it really is. It, it, it they have been they've been fantastic. And especially the defensive line, like you said, there has not been a unit that has. Been 
as consistently dominant. Maybe the secondary, I would say, but I think even the secondary, if you include the safeties, has had some ups and some downs. The front four has been on point about as well as you could hope for. And it's it really starts with the defensive ends and the defensive tackles. The guys that we spent our highest money and draft picks into, Quinn and Williams, playing like an all-pro. Carl Lawson comes back from his Achilles, getting good pressure. JFM's having a good year. I put me on record as someone that didn't like the JFM contract before or was worried that he might lose some snaps to Jermaine. He's playing well. I'm not going to sit here and, and say anything against it. He's contributing. Michael Clemens is a fourth round pick as a rookie getting in on snaps and Jermaine Johnson. The tape is translating. This was his lone sack that he had. I think he had a really good pressure earlier in the game where he might've had a half sack if I'm remembering correctly, but he had his lone full sack. It's a bootleg to the right from the bills. He's getting blocked by the tight end and Dawson knocks off the snap on like a, a block fake block, then release. And he absolutely throws Dawson Knox out of his way and just uses his speed and pursuit and chases down Josh Allen. Like that is uh, Matt. I know for a fact, I've sent you clips of Jermaine and at FSU <laughs> last March doing of him doing exact exactly that yep. of him quite literally tossing a tight end out of the way and then chasing someone down to the edge with his pursuit speed and his motor. And no one gets away from him when he turns it on. We've it's seen more the flashes. That this is Allen though. Right. Yeah, well, arguably the hardest sack, hardest to sack quarterback in the league in Josh Allen, who in, eats defenses for breakfast when he's on the run most games, and he gets him by the ankles and is make sure to bring him down. I'm really, really glad he's back. I'm really glad it looks like he's just as good as he was and he hasn't lost anything from his time out. And we have to give Bryce Huff his flowers again. Mm-hmm. Game ceiling play. Yes, absolutely ice the game with that sack fumble. And this was a a play for Bryce Huff where we've, especially me, I've lauded his speed and his bend around the edge. This was all about hand use where he gets a good jump off the snap, but it's not a great one. And he just pulls off a textbook stab rip move where he gets his inside arm in the chest of the offensive tackle. He gets his outside arm up and under and he rips under and he's able to get right around and get free. It was it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. He gets the sack fumble on Allen, and they're able to pin them back even further. This defense is going to carry this team and keep them in a lot of games this year. And like we've seen now in a handful of contests, if the offense can just do enough to keep them fighting and not outright lose the game, and that everything can become equal when it becomes a war at the line of scrimmage, the Jets defense is going to win them more games than they're going to lose. I think a large part of the success also has to do with the health of this defense. We pretty much have all our starters healthy right now. Uh, I that's a big can't part. Think that's a huge part. Uh, minus Rankins now. Minus but Rankins, yeah. but yes. Uh, it, it's so that I, I got a little worried when CJ went out, and then you had that one play where somebody got thrown into the Quinnen on the sideline, and I my heart stopped my, a little there. My also. heart completely stopped. I had to be resuscitated after Ugh. that one. So the fact that these guys are staying healthy, that's that's a huge, huge contribution to how to these guys uh, succeeding right now. Uh, being able to get this entire season uh, full of snaps uh, under their belt uh, and trust in each other. And just like the offensive line, you, you put these guys together and work together nonstop uh, with time and they're they're going to figure out how to work together very well. Uh, so that's that I, I feel like that's a huge portion to the why they're playing so well. So hopefully they can keep it up. Uh, this this bye week's gonna is coming at a great time. Uh, these guys can rest, uh, get the get those bumps and bruises treated, uh, and we can get to come out of the bye fresh and ready to hunt some more. Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to end, quite honestly, is looking ahead at this bye week that we now have sitting at six and three. What's on the agenda? What's on the to do list and what needs to be cleaned up and addressed before they have another rematch with the AFC East going to New England and take on the Patriots for a revenge game after the loss they had the week before? First and foremost, you said it, it's get healthy. Try and get back as many of your players as you can. I really hope we'll see Corey Davis in New England. If Mm -hmm, we don't see Corey Davis in New England, we should all be very, very concerned. That's not going to be a good sign if he has another two weeks after missing the Patriots game last week and now the Bills game this week when it was reported that he was going to be able to, he could have came back against the Broncos. Well, if he's going to miss 
three games with a bye week mixed in between and, and be out a whole month, then I don't know how he was going to return for Denver. So looking for him to get back. You mentioned the possibility of Max Mitchell coming back, who's in the window to be taken off IR. Maybe they take him off this week, let him practice off the bye week, lead up to the week, next week in New England, and get him an opportunity. I think that would be good for communication. But another thing that I think really helps, Matt, and this is one thing that I, I was waiting to talk about, Max Mitchell is going to play right tackle when he comes back, more likely than not. It seems like Dwayne Brown's going to be established at left tackle, barring an injury or any other circumstance. I don't think there's going to be any situation where they flip Dwayne Brown around. So if Max Mitchell's coming back and he's replacing anybody, it's going to be replacing a Boyhe. We know AVT is out for the year, unfortunately, so where there's no timetable to worry about him coming back. Well, Max Mitchell was the second string right tackle to start the season. He was behind Fant. And when uh, Brown was coming back healthy and they were getting Becton back, they eventually moved him over and he kicked up in the start when they kicked Fant over to the left side. But he was the second string right tackle for most of the summer and most of the preseason leading up into the season. And the backup second string right guard was Nate Herbig, which means that the two of them have had a lot of work together already in practice. And they've had a lot of time communicating together already as the second team offensive line. So if you get Mitchell back and he's starting, you, obviously you want to get the communication with the whole unit down, but he's going to have someone he's really familiar with already and Nate Herbig playing next to him. And I think that's going to be huge for him. Yeah, uh, that would be huge if they can just hit the ground running with uh, continuity and comfort with each other. Uh, and then, yeah, Fant is kind of the odd man out. Uh He's not going to really have a home because we've seen him at right tackle. Uh, and you know what? He didn't look as comfortable as he did as, at left tackle last year. Hell, he didn't even look that comfortable at left tackle this year. But I think a lot of that had to do with the injury. Uh, he didn't really look all that healthy. And it's I think it's still a question whether he's healthy enough now. So we'll just have to wait and see with Fant. So, yeah, but I think Mitchell is going to be the guy. Um uh, and yeah, I think we'll be better off for it. He started off uh, pretty pretty decently uh, when he was in. Uh, so it would be nice to see him grow from there. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was a period of time at the start of the year when I remember I, I was sending you clips in our group chat where I'm going, every member on this offensive line lost this rep except Max, Max Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And I can mm-hmm. I just, yeah. I can specifically think of three or four opportunities of those over the first couple of games that I had sent those to you being like, OK, this is a bad play, but Max is doing his job. OK, this was a sack, but here's Max one on one with his defender seven yards away from everybody else. OK, this was a run play that got stuffed for no gain. But here's Max driving a linebacker four yards upfield <laughs> like it, it was a bunch of stuff like that, where some of his very best plays didn't get noticed because they were happening on bad plays overall for the offense with other players not doing their job. And I I really can't wait to see him back out there. Defensively, you mentioned there really isn't much that we have to get back in terms of health. Uh, A dislocated elbow for Rankins sounds like it's going to be difficult to come back from in two weeks. And I would feel pretty hard pressed about expecting him to be back. I think the timetable listed is four to six weeks. And the Jets are maybe thinking they might be able to avoid any IR placement by giving him the extra week of rest. We'll wait and see on that. But I think this is the perfect time. You might not have anybody you're getting back from injury, but I think this is the perfect time to maybe fill in a hole in the meantime. The Jets brought Linval Joseph in on a visit not too long ago, and I would be calling his agent to see if he's still potentially interested. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would grab him in a second, Uh, especially if they do maybe go a a little bit longer route and put him on IR. Uh, He would be a a great fill-in. And there's other guys, too, if if they don't want to go the free agent route. Uh, they can look to their practice squad and bring Smart up. Uh, Smart had a pretty good uh, preseason. Uh, I, wouldn't I mind bet they do that, actually. Yeah, I, I think that might be likely. Uh, we'll, we'll see that in the coming days. Uh, going back to the offensive side, we've seen uh, Lafleur kind of, uh, kind of play very conservative for the first half of games, and then uh, really turn it on in the second half. Uh, I'd like to think that maybe he does that for the season where he's played kind of a conservative first half of the season, but then for the second half of the season really pulls it out, really uses 
players that maybe he hasn't used as much. Maybe we get more involved. Uh, I I can think of like a handful of plays where Moore is just doing some what orbit motion uh, yep. around and then not really doing anything else. Uh, but eventually teams are going to stop paying attention to Moore and they're going to focus on everybody else. And that really gives us an opportunity to really exploit the, those those uh, those looks that the defense are going to give. Because if they're not paying attention to him, he's still a great weapon. Put the ball in his hands and see what he can do. Uh, we drafted him in the second round for a reason. We fell in love with him as a receiver last year for a reason. Put the ball in his hands. Get him involved. Uh, if defenses are, are going to shift the, their coverages away from him, fine. Take advantage of it. Listen, I would love to see that. I think it would be a good wrinkle for the Jets on offense. I think defenses are not worrying about Elijah Moore right now because they know he's not really being featured in the game plan. And so I think that's definitely hurting them overall as an offense by being a little predictable and knowing who their playmakers are when it's supposed to be this huge collection of abundance and talent and you don't know who to cover. But since now two weeks in a row where the first game you can excuse it as Moore's getting his feet back wet. He had the week off. Things were overboiling. You know, it's the Patriots. They have their game plan. And he wasn't really featured much in the in in the game plan whatsoever. Didn't have that many snaps total. Uh, you know, you can kind of excuse that away. Two weeks in a row, though, of, again, Corey Davis not playing, again, going against a really good defense, and having a guy that you just took in the second round that was supposed to be your number one receiver to start the year. And he goes on third straight game without getting targeted. And I, his biggest claim to fame was being a decoy on orbit motion. When you haven't ever thrown him in orbit motion one time at all, all season. So who are you fooling? Something's fishy going on here. And I don't think it's boding very well for Elijah Moore's future. Well, and so I could have traded him if they wanted, saying. but they didn't. I don't think they wanted to trade him because I think I I don't think they wanted to trade him then. I think that they want to keep depth. Obviously, they didn't want to get rid of someone when they also weren't sure when Corey Davis was coming back. And you have the uncertainty of is Denzel Mims going to thrive or not, which we've now seen in two games that he is playing pretty well and that he might end up being a piece on this team. I can understand the uncertainty of not wanting to disrupt the the chemistry of everything going on. And even if Moore's not being featured, you know, having that backup and having another guy in the room that you know is capable, I get that. But he's not a factor on this team right now. And it's not really a fault of his own when, like you're saying, Matt, we said earlier in the show, Zach Wilson's getting the ball out so fast. He's able to be decisive. He's going through his reads. It's, you know, one to two and I'm getting the ball out and I'm not, I'm not even worrying about getting to three and the ball's going to be out before then. And if not, I'll look to step up and run and, and go from there. Well, if Elijah Moore's the third or fourth guy in the read and Zach Wilson's getting the ball out quick every time, he's never going to get the ball. And I, I don't see how else that's remedied without doing with, which is what you're saying, which is directly feature him and draw up plays where he is the guy and it's design touches for him, or you make him the first read in the progression and you're physically trying to get him the ball. The jets aren't trying to get him the ball. It's it's there's no effort there. There's no intention or no deliberacy to, to any thought of him getting the ball. And it's not like they're going out of their way necessarily to feature other guys, but they're going out of their way to hide Elijah Moore right now. Yes, I would say that. Yeah, for sure. I, I would say that he's not even in the reads. I, I, he's, he's just a decoy for a lot of on these. those orbit motions. He's literally a check down at best at best. Uh, but eventually defenses are going to key in on everybody else. And at that point, it's who's left. You you've got to stay ahead. You got it's a chess match. If you're doing the same thing over and over again, eventually the league is going to figure it out. So I, I I'm not saying they need to right now feature more, but I'm saying 
they have to keep that option open and they have to at least have the contingency plan like okay you guess what things aren't working out the way we've been doing it let's try something else oh hey we have this weapon here in more let's just do this let's just try this and i i guarantee that if they at least throw these wrinkles in here and there, not make them a feature of the offense like Garrett Wilson is, uh, not not even close to saying that. Just here and there, keep defenses honest, uh, because if you do that, then it makes things easier for everybody else. Yeah, I agree. Don't get me wrong. Don't think for a second that I'm disagreeing with anything you're saying, because you're 100% right. The defenses are going to catch on. And as good as Garrett Wilson is, he it cannot be expected to carry this receiving unit by himself. That's it, especially if he's going to end up starting to get bracketed. That's going to make it even harder. They have to start finding other guys on this offense who can win. They have to be more versatile. They have to have other wrinkles. They can't be too predictable. You can't always just out execute everybody every time. And we've seen what happens when you aren't executing. And that's the only thing that you have in your bag. It doesn't look very pretty. So I agree. They absolutely need to do something different. I'm just not sure they're actually going to. And that's kind of where I'm I'm maybe playing pessimist here, is that this is something I agree that absolutely should happen. I just don't know if it's actually going to happen. Fair enough. I really hope I'm wrong. I really do. Like, I'm just, I would love to be wrong in this instance because they need Elijah Moore to be a factor on this offense. With with his talent, with the, the draft pick invested, you know, they really it would really suck to have two back-to-back second round picks on receivers and neither of them end up being something. Although Denzel Mims is starting to flash and starting to play better. So it's, it's really imperative for this receiving core overall that more is a part of it and that he's playing well and they have to feature him in plays for that to be the case. So it's, it's something that has to change. I'm just worried that it's not going to. Ooh, I just thought of one thing else that, I hope gets maybe fixed a little bit uh, over the bye. And that's Garrett Wilson's uh, uh, holding onto the ball, the way he carries the ball and take ca- takes yes. care of the ball. Every single yes. time I see him running with the ball, I am just praying that he just goes down almost. I know he's so elusive and can make so many plays with his feet. But at the same time, when I see him carry that ball, just like away from his body, those pumps, pump fakes that he did. I was like, no, 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 the entire time. Then it came out of his hands. I was like, ah! And and the fact that he was able to jump back on is a miracle. But at at the same time, it was almost expected. I I almost foresaw him fumbling that ball. Uh, He needs to take care of the ball. He needs to hold that ball high and tight. Uh, And just stop putting himself in these situations because it's not always going to work out like it did against the Bills. Yeah, no, I agree. That's definitely a big one. Ball security is a hole for this team, but Garrett in particular, it's hit the hole when it's there. You don't always need to be dancing. You don't always need to be trying to Euro step people in the open field and you don't need to be holding the ball like you're trying to Euro step people either. Those are I, I know you you started as a basketball player and that's where you learned how to move and that's all well and good, but you're not playing basketball. Yeah, he's going to give me a heart attack one of these days with, with the way he is just floating the ball up there. Yeah, it's it's going to cost him eventually, and it hasn't yet, but it will soon. And hopefully uh, that'll be something that gets cleaned up. Last and not least, I think the number one thing to not even clean up, but reinforce, per se, uh, with this time off, is the belief that this team can and will win. Because if the team believes in themselves, this team rarely loses when they think they can win. And I think there were some rough emotions after the Patriots week and after the Patriots game that were silenced and were able to be put away this week against Buffalo. And if I'm Robert Sala, the number one message I am preaching to my team going into this bye is do not lose focus, come in ready to work, don't slack, this is not over, and we are right in the thick of this, right where we had planned on being and right where we all thought we were going to be. Let's go finish. That's That's got to be the message coming out of the bye week is finish what you started. You cannot come out and have it be the tale of two halves of the season where 
oh, the Jets had this great start and they went six and three and then they won two games the rest of the year and ended eight and nine and missed out on the playoffs. That's that can't happen. And I really think that they have the right attitude and the right mindset in this group so that it won't. But it just needs to be reinforced. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, This team has all the confidence in the world. Uh, They just beat arguably the best team in the league. Uh, So they're going to be riding high into this break. Uh, And yeah, I just hope that they don't get too cocky uh, because I don't see them winning out. Uh, They're most likely going to lose again. Uh, So I I just don't want them to get too big of heads. I, I want them to know their limits, but at the same time, know that they could beat anybody in this league because they've already be gone to, for the king. They've already gone for the devil, and they and they actually hit him. So, it it this team the sky's the limit. They just need to do their jobs. Yeah, and I think that's why it's it's confidence in yourself is the the most important thing, and it's remembering that it's not over. So it's look at us. We can do it. It's real. We're where we, we are, where we thought we were. Let's all realize that that is the case and we are good. We know it. We thought it. and Now we know it. OK, let's go finish. It doesn't mean anything yet. And I think that's been the message that Salah has been preaching, you know, one day at a time, handle what you can control, you know, put out your best effort every day, try and get one percent better every day. You know, this is just the continuation of that. And I really hope that I mean, I won't even say that. I expect this team to come out ready to play against the Bears. I really, I would be very, very surprised if we don't see the same Jets that we've seen the last handful of weeks and throughout most of the season as when they come out to play Chicago in two weeks. I I can't see anything that's going to completely derail their focus right now. I think this team is smelling blood and they know that they can win. Absolutely. Well, first comes New England, then then the Bears. Oh, right. God, I completely skipped over the Patriots game. No, you're 100% right. I think they will come out, and even more so, I think they're going to be looking their chops because now they have a revenge game. Mm-hmm. And they have and they have the fuel of knocking off Buffalo, and it's not like they just lost against the Bills and the Patriots back-to-back, and they're 5-4 and four at the bye, and they're on a losing streak, and, and now it's a completely different situation. I, I really think this team is going to stand out and and knock some heads around. I'm really excited to see the second half of this year. I really hope so. But if you're uh, following the the coin flip guy, who is once again right, uh, survives Can't another week, a hundred percent guess. Uh, according to him, we're going to go on a little bit of a losing streak here against the Patriots and then the Bears. Uh, but then we go on a giant winning streak. So we'll see. Uh, in coin flip, we trust. I guess <laughs> that's coin flip. We trust. Coin flip. Let's ride. Uh, (laughs) that's 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 where we'll end for today thank you guys so much for listening you can find me at andrew golden underscore 17 and you can follow the show at okd podcast matt go ahead and tell the people where they can find you we'll get on out of here uh matt you can find me at zazzy jets thank you guys again so much for listening and we will be back next week to look ahead to the bye week talk about all of the development stories, if there are any, as well as give a little bit of a draft preview because we haven't had to worry about the draft uh, coming up this year pretty much with the way the Jets are playing. Normally, we're already looking well ahead and we know everything that's going on. So with the time off, we thought it'd be best to give you Jets fans a little bit of a peek into the 2023 draft class, some positions the Jets may be keying in on and getting some names to know as the Jets get ready for the second half of the season. Thank you one more time for tuning in and we'll be back real soon. Bye-bye. 